0: If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review, as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. Something that's frustrated me more and more lately is the fact that verbal communication being the what seems the only accepted form of communication. Options equal accommodations, and we should always be looking to accommodate the way that someone best communicates. We also need to understand that if we are not accommodating these communication differences, we can be losing out on a lot of thoughtful and insightful thoughts from individuals that may not be able to provide verbal communication. That's why I'm excited to talk with Philip Reyes, on this week's episode of Autism Stories to learn 10 things non-speakers with apraxia want you to know. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Philip, thanks so much for joining us on Autism Stories. I wanted to start out and learn where does your story in the autistic community begin? My experience with the autistic community began with my
1: ability to write and express myself. I started making friends with Michael and Kaylee, two kids in my town who also learned R P M and could talk by spelling. For the first time, I had true friends I could talk to. I joined the larger autistic community
2: when people started
0: seeing
1: my blog and Facebook posts. Amy Sequenzia was the first non-speaking autistic activist to reach out to me. She was really encouraging she began making me realize I could make a difference by just being me and not
0: having to become normal. I love that. Now, you wrote a wonderful article not too long ago that you know I thought was really great about the top 10 things you should know about apraxia according to a non-speaker. <laughs> What, one of the points you brought up is how the Rapid Prompting Method, or RPM, has been the best thing to happen to you. What is it about that method that has been beneficial to you? RPM was the first therapy
1: that did not see me as having mental deficiencies. When Selma first met me, she taught me regular school subjects and assumed I could understand. She modeled literacy in a way I could follow. I loved being seen as intelligent. RPM taught me to use my mind more purposefully for pointing to communicate. I started to get my body to follow the commands I gave it. I made more progress than in any other program. Practicing conversation was my favorite part of doing RPM. I learned the back and forth of listening and getting to answer questions based on what was discussed. I learned I
2: could participate in the conversation
0: going on around me. You know, it's interesting you uh, talk about SOMA because there's someone that I've supported for years who um, learned RPM from SOMA as well. And he's communicated to me so many great things about, about SOMA. So it's really great to hear that additional perspective. In thinking about RPM, for those that may be interested in learning about RPM, do you have suggestions on how they can go about doing so? I would do what I did, which is to learn from Zomla in Austin, Texas. She runs
1: the Halo Clinic. She was able to get the most from me because she is so experienced. I loved it so much because my parents saw the real me for the first time. But the most important thing is to not just do RPM with SOMA, but with the most important people in your life. Mm. You should
0: practice with your parents or close friends and teachers every day. Now, in, in your article, you mentioned that you understand what is said and what is going on all around you, and that you don't need to be treated like a, a baby. I think that's a really important point what are some ways that people treat non-speakers like babies that they should immediately stop doing? People often talk to me with
1: exaggerated voices and simple phrases. Raised voice pitches are annoying. Unless you normally sing to talk, do not talk sing, Sonji, because it reminds me of ABA. People don't usually talk to non-disabled people this way. It makes me feel inferior to be taught to like a
2: baby.
0: And uh, you also discussed in your article that there are better ways to teach than applied behavior analysis. How do you see ABA um, in regard to connection to apraxia?
2: ABA is a
0: neurotypical
1: based therapy. It assumes all behavior is motivated by reward. It assumes there is proper connection. Between <todic Demokraten> brain and body. Therefore, the behavior is controllable in the eyes of an ABA therapist. Therapy is based on shaping behavior to what is acceptable to the therapist. Apraxia is my biggest problem. It is hard for me to carry out instructions from my brain. My body goes on autopilot most of the time. It has limited programs on its own. More motor capabilities can be achieved with prompting to move in new, more varied ways. When I type my thoughts, I need someone who can help me be goal-oriented with my words. If I don't have a person following me to keep me on task, I get stuck in lots of my pre-programmed movements that are comfortable to me but are not understood by others. Mom is most able to help me because of my trust in her her belief in my potential and my experience
0: typing with her, which is the longest and most consistent. I always feel like, you know, for the people that support you in your life, if you don't have that trust and connection, it, it is not going to work at all. So, um, I'm interested. What are some things that you think non-speakers with apraxia need help to help them learn the best? Actually, you need people to believe in their intelligence and give them opportunities
1: to show it. They need to be taught in a more engaging way. I like the back-and-forth teaching style of Selma. She gives a few sentences of instruction and then asks about it. It isn't just a series of commands. It isn't a lecture either. It is in between. I also need to learn to use my body better in skills of daily living. I am still not proficient in (laughs) many things like (laughs) bathing or cooking. I need many prompts to break up all the steps in a task. A teacher can be effective by making me go through a plan one step at a time. Eventually,
0: I can put it all together. So I rarely come across anyone that doesn't need some sort of community, some sort of connection. Something that um, I love that you talked about was your desire to have good friends. When you've developed relationships in the past, what are some things people have done to connect with you, Philip?
2: I love having friends like most people.
1: Friends are people I enjoy being with. It may not seem like friends matter to me because I don't interact by talking or playing. I get good people vibes vibes are an energy I feel through their feelings toward me. People who consistently talk to me, greet me, and include me, even if I don't show more interest in them, I consider friends. I mean to show more interest in them. If I have someone to help me type, I try to show my interest by my words. My words more express my feelings than my body language or facial expression.
2: I can enjoy friends by just being near them.
1: I have a special bond with other non-speakers like me who type. I get together with my typing friends on Zoom at least once a week. I am part of a history class and a music club on Zoom. My friends and I listen to lessons in good music. Then we discuss using the chat box. A moderator reads <laughs> everyone's responses. Also, get together with my friends in town. We do to R P M. My best friend Kaylee has talked with me by
0: typing for many years. We went to the same middle school. We were featured on a local news story together too. I love having friends to share experiences with. Now, lots of time, friends are might be passionate about the same things. What are some things you're really interested in or are passionate about, Philip?
2: I am interested in
0: biking, music, and autism advocacy.
2: I would like to become a writer. I learned to bike when I was 11. It made me feel free and independent. I like riding
1: with my family and friends. My favorite bike trips have been riding to the Santa Monica Pier from Venice Beach. Virginia Creeper Trail in the Appalachians, and the Outer Harbor in Buffalo. I have always loved music. I love music of all kinds. My mom's piano playing is my favorite. Piano and classical music calms and regulates me. I belong to a music club with other non-speakers. I have been introduced to more pop and country through it. It is fun discussing different genres and artists with friends. Autism advocacy started with explaining how I experience autism in my blog. I never thought I could help so many people. Many have told me I changed how they see their kids. They understood better and were now more patient and empathetic. Many tried RPM, which changed their lives. It feels amazing to make a difference.
0: Absolutely. And, and that uh, trip to the Santa Monica, Santa Monica Pier from Venice Beach, being here in Cleveland, Ohio, that sounds amazing. <laughs> now, now, you mentioned, um, you know, writing is something that, you know, you're interested and passionate about. And I read that you're an aspiring writer. Is there a particular type of writing that uh, you would want to pursue in the future?
1: Essays and a few poems. I would like to write a memoir and possibly a book of
0: poetry or short stories. Well, I, if you write your memoir, I will definitely be interested in that. So I'll, I'll be on the lookout. Is there before we go? Is there anything uh, I didn't ask you that you wanted to um, to mention? Me. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. It's, it's been a great opportunity for me to learn from you. And I just really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk with me. Thanks so much for joining me today, Philip. Thanks so much to Philip for the conversation. To learn more about Philip, check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. If you're a non-speaker or want support to advocate to be able to communicate with your preferred method of communication, then book a call with me today. The link to book the, the call can be found in the podcast description for this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they can have the same enjoyable experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be so greatly appreciated. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, we will talk about being an autistic speech-language pathologist. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.